guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This week's episode is sponsored by Yumchi, which is a delicious kimchi brand that is natural, certified organic, raw, and unpasteurized. It's 100% plant-based and naturally fermented in Hackney, London. It is not your average kimchi. It's packed with billions of gut-friendly bacteria, and it's got a mild and tangy taste. We absolutely love it. I'm a huge fan of kimchi. It's an authentic fermented vegetable dish, and you can eat it on its own, or you can pair it with other foods in soup, salads, stir fries, or even use it as a sauce. I'm a huge lover of avocado toast, eggs, and kimchi. The other thing that's great about Yumchi is that is female founded. Yumchi is the brainchild of Japanese Korean chef and kimchi expert Lily Harasawa. So as we said, Yumchi is 100% natural and full of plenty probiotic. We love the probiotic foods. If you want to check them out, you can follow them at Yumchi Kimchi on Instagram or head to their website, yumchi.co and check out their delicious kimchi. Yumchi is giving the Forking Wellness community 20% off their next order if you go to www.yumchi.co and use Forking Kimchi at checkout. That's all capitals, Forking Kimchi at www.yumchi.co. Enjoy! Hi guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. This week we have a very exciting guest, Nicole Groman, New York City registered dietitian. Hi, Nicole. Hey guys, I'm so, so excited for this. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we love to get other health professionals on the podcast and Nicole is an intuitive eating practitioner as well. So it'd be great to get another perspective because actually intuitive eating is arguably our most popular and well, sorry, most listened to topic on this podcast, right? Yeah, for sure. So um, Nicole, tell us a bit about yourself. I know you wear many hats. Um, so just give our listeners a bit of like background about what you do, how you got started, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like I do four different things somehow. And I didn't really realize I was doing this many things <laughs> until I really like <laughs> laid it out in my head. Um, so my nine to five, so to speak, is doing clinical outpatient counseling at a hospital. So I do work at a hospital, which many people don't know because they don't advertise it too, too often um, on social media. But I do that. Um, I am part of the eating disorder treatment program at the hospital, which is really cool because I get to do treatment for eating disorders mm-hmm. and disorder eating, even in my clinical job, which is great. Um, I also have a private practice. And in that practice, I treat people for eating disorders and disordered eating. Um, I help people heal their relationship with food, ditch dieting, find body acceptance, stop those obsessive thoughts about food that I think so many people have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do in my private practice. I also have my Instagram, um, where I spread that same message. And I, I love that cause I get to reach a larger number of people with that message. So, um, that's another hat, I guess that, that I wear. <laughs> and then um, I have my clothing company, which is called body over mine apparel. And, um, that's 
the tangible way that I get to spread my message, I guess. Um, yeah, I created it a few years ago and it has um, like a message on the shirt that really just speaks to break, you know, having no food rules, like eating mm-hmm. intuitively, listening to your body, having no unnecessary rules about dieting um, and eating. And um, that's, that's the other thing that I do. So I have all those that I juggle. I feel like you covered all grounds in regards to getting this message across. Like it's so <laughs> amazing how passionate you You're are. Like, I like, will what get other this way can I spread this message? <laughs> when I created the clothing line, I'm like, I'm gonna change the world. Like everybody <laughs> is gonna be wearing this shirt, and it isn't in like a million countries. Like a million countries, like I don't know, 12, 14, 16 countries yeah. or something. It's it's cool. It's like gone worldwide. But yeah, That's that was how my I goal found goal you. Like, I remember I found someone. Was it someone wearing? the shirt or someone had a tote bag or someone has that message and I remember it so clearly because it was like um basically like to all the listeners I'm going to do a terrible job at explaining this Nicole but it was basically like (laughs) I eat gluten I eat dairy whatever and all those are crossed out and at the bottom it just says I eat and the message is so powerful um and I remember that's how I first found you and then I just have loved your content since and I think that you and I don't know if you feel this way but I think you really thrived in lockdown with your real content I just want to like talk about that for a bit um I feel like that's another way you're getting this anti-diet message out but you create these like amazing video reels just spreading the anti-diet intuitive eating message so did that come quite naturally to you um or is that something that you kind of like had a like force yourself to do or like figure out one other way you can get this message across <laughs> no do it this did not come naturally to me I have um um this woman named Lauren who I started working with last year she helps me with my brand partnerships and some of my marketing and um she's brilliant at all of this and was like you need to do reels I'm gonna throw my phone out the window because I tried <laughs> to talk and could not hope I'm like getting stressed talking. I couldn't handle it. I'm like, what is this? Like, it's not intuitive. I couldn't figure it out. So she sent me an article on how to do reels. And I like set my step. I was like looking at the article, putting a reel together. Um, And then once I figured it out, now, you know, it became intuitive quite quickly, but like it was not natural at all. Um, And then it became really fun. Like I, I love music I love listening to music and like once I started doing reels I realized that every single breakup song could actually be about diet culture I was gonna say (laughs) you're you have a unique skill to turn a Taylor Swift song into an anti-diet culture riff (laughs) and I think it's a really unique skill and I'm really happy that someone has been able to do it (laughs) it's bad thank you Thank you so much. No, that really means a lot because at first I couldn't do them and now I love doing them and I think mm-hmm. they're so much fun. And yeah, like it is a really fun way to get to get the message across because I think people love music and then it kind of really resonates in a different way. And it's like putting together these little music videos, like 30 yeah. seconds. So fun. I would love to know where and how, when, you know, the whole anti-diet movement kind of came into your life and you were like this practice is for me because as Barry said at the beginning as nutrition professionals we are not trained to teach people intuitive eating we are trained more clinically and you know this is the food that's good for us this is the effect it has on our metabolism and there's no kind of intuition doesn't really come into it does it when we're being taught um you know when we're qualifying yeah it doesn't at all and I guess actually this 
we'll go back to like how I got into nutrition in the first place, which Barry, you'd mentioned. So I'm just going to like take it a step back by answering that because it leads to it. So Mm -hmm. I, um, I was a psychology, a psychology major in undergrad. And when I graduated, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So a friend of mine was like, why don't you just work at a gym nearby? Um, you know, make some money, whatever. I'm like, all right, yeah, like good idea. So I started working at Equinox actually, um, and was with the company for about seven years um, before becoming a dietitian full time. But in the beginning, um, I, you know, got into health and fitness as a lot of yeah. people like to say. Oh, I feel like that was me as well. I'm like, I know food, I know nutrition. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I like got into health and nutrition. Um, yeah. And I started working with a personal trainer. Um, and anybody who's listening to this actually is hearing this like first. So I talk a little bit about this and I'm coming out with, with a guide, um, actually on a week from today on Sunday, it's like Amazing. called your eight, eight steps to food freedom and body acceptance. And I'm so excited about it. So like everybody is hearing it here first. Cause I Woo. announcing it next week. That's um, exciting. and yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pumped about it. Um, and part of this story is actually in it. So this is the first time I'm like really, really telling it. Um, and I started working at a um, working out, sorry, with a personal trainer who like hooked me. He was like, you could have like the perfect body. And like, I had always been like many, many women insecure in my body. I had those certain areas that, you know, I didn't like whatever. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted. Who doesn't want the the perfect perfect body? body. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And so in working with him, um, we focused on like getting toned and we took measurements and in conjunction with that, a lot of other trainers at the gym were teaching me about the way they eat. And I learned about um, the cheat day concept, which if anybody is listening and isn't familiar, is where you have to eat super strict for like six days a week. And then one day you get to have a cheat meal or a cheat day and eat all the things you're quote unquote not allowed to eat otherwise. And this is an effort to promote weight loss and like definition and um, that. So I learned about that and started following it. So for about a year, I was working with this trainer and following the cheat day. Um, and throughout all of this, I became what I thought was highly interested in food. I was actually becoming quite obsessed with food in a very unhealthy way. Um, but, you know, at the time I didn't realize like the cheat day was teaching me, I want to make sure I'm like really getting this point across here. Like the cheat day was really just teaching me very unhealthy yeah. habits. And, and I, I think that's super common in a lot of, I think that like exercise, I'm not like denouncing that because I think personal trainers are amazing and I think fitness is incredible. But I think for a lot of people, that's like almost the gateway to disordered eating behaviors, especially like orthorexic tendencies. So it's definitely something that I think a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to because I think for many people, that is their first introduction into diet culture or restriction. I completely agree with you. And and I definitely don't mean to say, I think that there's so many wonderful trainers and I'm not speaking badly about the ones that I worked with or like Equinox or anything like that. It was an awesome company to work for, but this, unfortunately it was just like, Oh, my, my gateway. It truly, truly was my gateway to, to disordered eating. Um, cause as I was doing it, I, um, it just taught me incredibly polarizing views about food and a cheat day is essentially a binge restrict kind of cycle. It's not, you know, not necessarily a turn into binge eating disorder, but you know, it's that kind of uh, mindset of good and bad restrict and binge. Um, but with all the, while I was doing all this and I was working at Equinox, um, 
I managed one of the clothing stores there and I was developing all these wonderful relationships with the customers. And I was like, I love clienteling and I love building customer relationships and I love talking about food. I should be a nutritionist. Like that is how it happened. It was <laughs> a, light a, light, a light bulb moment. It was a true light bulb moment. Um, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And so I applied to NYU um, and ended up, you know, getting into their program, going there. So that was my like actual entry into the nutrition world. It came from an incredibly different place from where I am now, but that's how I got into it. Um, for the first half of grad school, I was still in my disordered stuff. Like I wasn't doing the cheat day anymore because my body physically wouldn't let me. Like you can only do it for so long, 100%. and then eventually. Yeah, um, like life got super stressful and I would try to do the like restrict during the week and then I would end up binging like two to three times a week or, or subjective binging, overdoing it yeah. on like, you know, the foods that I would restrict. Um, but none of it seemed abnormal to me, which I guess is something that I'm sure the two of you see all the time. Like what I was doing, I thought was healthy. What I was yeah. doing, I was like, well, like, I eat healthy. And I'm not like restricting. I still eat sweets, yeah. but like I eat them in like a really unhealthy way. And I didn't know, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and eventually, um, a friend of mine kind of called me out on it and she, she had actually suffered herself from an eating disorder, um, and sort of just noticed in me a ton of anxiety around food and maybe just like anxiety in general. It's true. I was feeling generally more anxious. Like my mental health wasn't even a great time. Um, and when she called me out on it, I was like, all right, well, I guess I will reach out to a therapist. And so I did. And then, um, that therapist who specializes in eating disorders started like trying to help me and then told me to go to a dietitian. So I went to a dietitian and then that dietitian, um, it was funny. She was like, my therapist told me to start eating the foods that I restricted. She's like, just eat, eat everything. Like eat all the foods you love. I'm like, okay. So I did, but then it felt very overboard for me because I was doing Mm -hmm. all the time, that kind of natural tendency to start um, going in the other direction. And it felt very out of control. And she's like, I think you should see a dietitian. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be one. Like, I don't need to see I'm in school for it. (laughs) Like even more of a reason for you to see one. And she was right because when I saw my dietitian, it um, significantly contributed to the kind of dietitian that I am today. Um, helped me immensely. She changed everything for me. She healed my relationship with food. Um, and uh, Sophie, then to answer the question that you asked, which yeah. is like, how did I kind of enter into the intuitive eating world? After I recovered myself, I mean, it was, there was no other way, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, very, yeah. I don't even know how else to put it. There was just no other yeah. way. This is, and I want to help people so much because I know how many people struggle the way that I did. And I have the tools to do it. And so that's, you know. I think you get to the point where you're like, there has to be another way other than dieting. Mm-hmm. There has to be something that we can do mm-hmm. to, you know, listen to our body, tune into, again, we're told hunger is bad and we shouldn't feel hungry. And that means we're greedy if we do. And just to kind of bring it back to basics and be like, how do I actually live my life without thinking about food all day, every day? Which is the position that so many people are in. So many people. I mean, a lot of the clients that I work with, I, 
at least half of them have said to me, I just wish I could eat like a normal person. Oh, same. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Like I would go as far as like 80% of my clients, their goal (laughs) is I want to eat normally. And then normal looks so different on everyone. And like what the fork, what the fork is normal. Like Sophie and I always say this, that um, our version of health is so different. Like and we always say if we swapped our eating habits, we'd be miserable. And I can acknowledge that Sophie eats a really, really well-balanced diet and nothing is off limits, but I don't want to eat what she eats. Yeah, I don't, really I don't want to like, eat what Barry eats. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> like matcha and I'm not like, I don't know, like I don't really like dates and and I hate avocado. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's funny because people think, oh, I just want to eat normal. But like what mm-hmm. the fork does normal look like? And there's not an answer for that because your normal will be based on your preferences, your lifestyle, your habits. Um, and I think it's so hard for people to conceptualize that, especially when they're in that desperate state. Like you said, like, I just want to eat normal. Like they are at the end of their kind of patience with all of this and they just want an answer and sometimes giving them the answer they need it it comes with a long journey ahead and that can be really stressful for people because they just Mm -hmm. want something now it's it's so funny that you said that normal looks so different for everybody because recently and I don't know why this is only a recent realization like so many people, right, like have, have said to me, I just wish I could eat like a normal person. And I remember saying that too. And I actually remember a moment where my friends and I were out to dinner and I saw my friend like leave a few bites on her plate. And I'm like, how does somebody do that? Like, how does somebody leave food on their plate? I would finish everything because every eating experience was like the last time that I was yeah. allowed to eat yeah. until the next time I was allowed to eat. So, you know, I could never leave food left over. And I was just like, I just wish I could eat like a normal person. And so when people said it to me, I'm like, totally understand. Like, I, I get that. Like so many people say, but recently I'm like, what is a normal, what do you, what does a normal person eat like? Like, what does yeah. eating normal look like? Because there's no normal. There, everybody's yeah. normal is different. So I kind of want to like reframe that further. Yeah. But it's but so many people just say, you know, like that's what they want. Yeah. But I well, actually I said this to Barry quite a while ago now. But we've kind of you know pre-COVID we have dinner nights together and we'd have our meal and then instantly I'm like, okay, where's my dessert? And Barry's like, let your food go down and then we'll talk about dessert. I'm just like, like, I'm not a dessert person. Like that. Like, I'm very ready for dessert as soon as I finish my main meal. No, I'm so I like for me it really like it really rounds out the meal. It's it's truly that cherry on top, but like really chocolate on top. Um yeah, yeah, I'm so like like I was like, okay, dessert time, like right when I'm done. Yeah, and I'd look at Barry and she's like sat like not even thinking about the next course. (laughs) But I think that's so interesting because sometimes I will think about dessert and sometimes it it literally just doesn't come to mind because I just I'm not that kind of person. I never I used to be, I think, when I was younger. But like in my older years, older years, how old am I? 28. Um, (laughs) In my elder life, I've not really been a sweet person. But I know that every time I go out to dinner with Sophie, like we're going to have dessert. And, you know, I just know that because that's so. And and I think the intuitive thing for me is like, okay, I know that's going to happen. Cool. Let's roll with it. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it is so interesting of like what is normal and what does that look like on everyone and being able to adapt to other other normalities is normal, if that makes sense. 
like being like the flexibility is normal yeah yeah or like um and your normal will always change like sometimes I will finish dinner and be like where the hell is my dessert menu and then sometimes I'll be like Bill please and that's normal as well it's not like I'm always a dessert person or I'm never a dessert person it's just like well what do you fancy like yeah yeah and I think what something that it took a long time a long time for me to get to this point I would say years but there was like one day where finally I was like I don't want dessert right now. And that was a weird experience for yeah, me. Yeah, that's it's weird so, like, for me. I to identify <laughs> as a, yeah, right? And it's, it's still very rare. But another dietitian and I were talking about this once before. She had her own um, struggles with food at one point. And we were kind of talking about, like, sometimes we eat dessert because it's simply a habit. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's also part of eating intuitively, which is interesting because, like, when people think about eat intuitive eating, there's this... <laughs> unfortunate like stigma around intuitive eating whatever you want yeah. <laughs> we need to get into that <laughs> I am so happy you brought this up because I mean the listeners know Sophie knows like I have just not crossed that threshold yet to say I practice intuitive eating because I have so many um qualms about the with your with your clients practice or practice in your for your I don't I don't I don't actually practice with clients anymore got it um in general but um just like in myself or just as a dietitian like the ethos of intuitive eating 100% am I an intuitive eater yes but I have so many issues with the way that it's explained and the way that it's iterated and what that industry looks like and it's like you're either in our bubble you're not and it's like the Mm -hmm. whole thing shouldn't be about black and white thinking but like Mm -hmm. you're either an intuitive eating dietitian anti-diet dietitian or you're not and it's like why are we creating all of these rules and these like I don't know bubbles that we have to sit in yeah and we see so many other practitioners on Instagram where I know their intentions are good I know their message is you know a great message but if I were to look at that and I, you know, I've had these conversations with clients where the client says it's overwhelming. It feels a little bit cult like and it's scary. And, you know, and that's not to say that intuitive eating is like you're in the club or you're out the club. I'm just saying sometimes the message is lost in translation, whether that yeah. be via a practitioner or an influencer or mm-hmm. whoever's, you know, relaying the message. But, yeah, it would just be great to delve into that a little bit more and, you know, how do we differentiate? And if someone wants to dip into intuitive eating and see how that feels, you know, what if they still have a weight loss goal, for instance? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's, I think you see so many dietitians that say like, I am not, um, I'm, I'm anti-diet, I'm not anti-weight loss, or just because, you know, I, I may be an intuitive eating dietitian, but it doesn't mean I'm anti-weight loss. And part of, I mean, that's a question. I think that, I think that, <laughs> everybody handles it so differently. And like, I know that even I've had to formulate and I still think I am formulating the best way to, um, same hundred percent say it. Yeah. Like I agree with you. Yeah. Like I know that people want to lose weight. And I, um, I think that honestly, when I first started as a dietitian and I knew that I'm, I was an anti-diet all food spent, whatever kind of like dietitian, I think I, I was like a little, um, less, flexible with my own clients like I was new I was a brand new dietitian within my first year like they would come to me with certain goals and number one some of the people were people I should not have accepted like you have to realize like mm-hmm, what kind of yes. client is right for you yeah. and we were not a good fit and like tried to make it work and I said um but you know 
I, I didn't meet the client exactly where they were when I was a very new. We always talk about that, that like <laughs> every, you? yeah, like, and I think that's exact, like what you just explained is the exact thing that the, that I need to hear from everyone else in the community um, mm-hmm. for me to like take that step in. Like I, mm-hmm. I've read the books, I've listened to everything, I know mm-hmm. everything, but I can't commit until I hear everyone say <laughs> to meet where the client is at and sometimes that's not a great fit and we can't convert everyone to that side because their needs and their goals might not match and that's not to say that they can't in the future you know they might need to go through their own journey and come to that realization on on their own terms and once we can all or all I think all practitioners once we can say that you know we have to find the right clients and we we need to meet them where they're at instead of trying to you know, take them right. with us. Yeah, um, right. I think that is the thing that I struggle with 100%. Yeah, I mean, somebody reached out to me a week ago asking for an initial consultation and she mentioned weight loss as her primary goal. And I just said to her, like, I, this is my approach. Mm-hmm. I understand that, that many people want to lose weight, but I do not do weight loss as a primary intervention. Like, we may not be a good fit. Like, I can recommend somebody to you if you want. And, like, just immediately sent her elsewhere because I just know it's not going to be a good fit. And, um, and again, that isn't to say, like, somebody, one of my own clients the other day, I was like, if you start to lose weight, I'm not going to be like, no, okay, you got to stop what we're doing. Like, <laughs> yes. it's, not, it's not about that. It's yeah. not. About that it's it's truly just about you know as I don't, I don't even need to say this to you guys but like mm-hmm. um that that I am not a weight loss dietitian and we are not going to make changes with the effort of weight loss it's it's real because we know what I you know I know what that can do to a person and we see the research of what that can do 100%. to a person so it's just like not you know my paradigm um yeah but it, it does there's a lot of polarization in the field now and I think that that's where the psychological element is so important as well because like you said the journey might lead to weight loss but when the intention is there and the focus is there you you might be sacrificing your health at the same time you know whereas Mm -hmm. the focus is primarily on health and then weight loss is a byproduct okay cool like I've lost a few pounds but actually my mental health is better you know I'm more energized my digestion is back on track like that mentality can really be the make or break of the practice for someone. Right. Cause yeah. you can see weight loss too. in people who don't have any of those other benefits. And we mm. often feel like even with weight loss, there is not body acceptance. Yeah. So that's, you know, weight loss is not like the answer to those. Exactly. To those things. And I think, I think it's impossible to say, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I think it's impossible to think that one person is going to stay the same weight for their entire life because our lives change and we change mm-hmm. with it. And part of being an intuitive eater is, you know, being flexible. And sometimes, you know, during COVID, everyone's, you know, situation has completely changed. And for some people that might have resulted in, you know, maintaining their weight. And sometimes it's gone up and sometimes it's gone down, but that's because your environment and your habits and your lifestyle have all changed and we need to change with it. And I think that we can't, we're not fixed people. We're, we're fluid and dynamic and it's always going to shift and change, but it's just to the degree at which it changes or the degree at which the unhealthy habits dictate the change. And when that, that focus becomes the weight, that's the negative part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was something that you just said about like being, Oh, I think the, like 
the flexibility that like just kind of understanding the way our bodies change. And I think that's where compassion comes in to play. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big thing that I know I talk about a lot of the time with my clients and my patients at the hospital, just like having compassion for yourself. If you notice that you're, I don't know, eating differently, like so many people want the routine and I want to eat the same way. Mm-hmm. And if I eat differently, like something's off and it's just like about practicing compassion with yourself for, I mean, especially over the last year. I mean, my God, yeah. like if there was ever a time for us to be compassionate with ourselves, but even like outside of the pandemic, just to understand that like life happens and, and sometimes um, other things are going to take priority over eating that, you know, whatever meal you might view as a perfect meal, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of that whole concept too of a perfect meal. But like that compassion part is huge. Yeah, I think the one of the main issues I see as well in clients is the inability to trust their body, even when things are going great. And even when they think, you know, they have maybe made some progress with themselves, they're like, but wait, because we are <laughs> constantly bombarded with these messages, you know, on social media. And I, I do think we're getting better. Like, you know, we have great accounts like yours and, you know, the reels that you do. They that's, People will see that every day and it will help change their mindset. So I think that's incredible. But yeah, like I said, I think that trust element is also a huge um, factor that needs to be considered. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I remember that's something that I significantly lacked and my therapist even said to me. I remember one day and this was what, like, God, eight years ago at this point is when I first sat down with her in 2013. But she was like, do you trust your body? And for like 99% sure I said no, right? Like, I don't, like, you know, like, <laughs> you're I, like, what I does didn't. that mean? <laughs> I know, like, I definitely, I definitely didn't. Um, and it's something that I will always remember that she asked me and something that comes up in my clients a lot when they just, um, they want to either track or they are like so afraid to just like let go because they're afraid that if they let go then something awful is going to happen or they're gonna you know and this is kind of what I was thinking about before when I said that like intuitive eating has kind of taken on this unfortunate stigma where people think that it means eating whatever you want every second all the time um and that's just one of the biggest misconceptions about it that I think is is like really a barrier to even considering it um, because yeah, like sure, there may be this initial, right? Like upswing and eating mm-hmm. stuff. And this is where the body trust comes in because people don't trust that their body is going to end up leading in the right direction. Well, that's the like, hardest point, Not eat right? stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the hardest bit to get over. People really hate to hear that you might binge for a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. actually allowing yourself to do that with self-compassion and showing yourself that, okay, this is happening and tomorrow I'm going to be okay. And, you yeah. know, this binge is, you know, to almost see it as something that this was something that my body was missing. Like I'm doing say, it like for Your body's playing catch up. Yeah. Yes, and I think exactly. once you can, once you can understand that, then that's when I think it becomes less scary. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. it is scary, but I think, it is scary. I think, also, like I, we speak about intuitive eating so much and kind of like all food fit, all foods fit anti diet. My boyfriend, like I think he understands what intuitive eating is, but I think he's he still has those like thoughts that you mentioned, Nicole, because sometimes he'll he'll be eating ice cream at night and he'll be like, oh, do you want some? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. And he's like, but I thought no foods are off limits. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, I I just don't want it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> 
And I, I think a lot of people feel like, but I think that's a perfect example of like thinking yeah, like, oh, well, if you're an, an intuitive eater, like you're just going to eat whatever you want all day. Right. Right. And like that, those times, those few and far between times that I don't want dessert is part of being an intuitive eater yeah. and like wanting, like, I remember there was one day where like, okay, so I used to um, fantasize about like when I was restricting, obviously like fantasize about diving into a pool, a big pool of cookie dough ice cream. Oh my God. <laughs> or just cookie dough. One of the two. I love probably. <laughs> well, the brain and, does like, you when you're restricting. And, like, you know, the Pac-Man, like, yes. I vision, like, just chomping my way through a swimming pool of cookie dough ice cream um, because, oh, God, like, it's all I wanted, right? Um, and now, and there was one day last year where all I wanted to do was dive into a pool of salad because <laughs> I, like, hadn't eaten vegetables for a little, whatever it was. And I'm like, this is what it's about. Like, it's just, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, it's this crazy idea that if you let yourself eat all foods and your body might actually crave vegetables is um it's something that people like understandably I get why people don't get it but it's where that trust comes in yeah and like you like you said I just think the whole that point where you might need to let your body binge for a while Mm -hmm. is just the scariest thing ever when someone's come from a place of restriction and they want to control their weight and so we get it, but I, w- I so wish some people could just push past that and see yeah. that. And again, that comes back down to the trust because you have to trust that once you're over that phase, your your body's probably going to be like, okay, cool. Now can we get some like greens and healthy fats yeah. inside of us? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I like the way you said it. Even the way you said it, Sophie, a minute or two ago, like some about how like you're probably going to binge and that's okay. However you said it, I've never put it in those exact words. And I just really, it almost like, brought me back to like when I was a client and like would have heard my dietitian or therapist say it because I think that in both therapy and nutrition counseling to hear the professional validate something mm-hmm. like I always say to people like I don't think you need my permission but if my permission is helpful to yeah. you then blank you mm-hmm. know um and and to like hear like that <clears throat> binging is you're probably going to binge and that's okay I think could just be so comforting to somebody um in those early stages and yeah then once they get they get past it that's where that normalizing you know yeah because we we do have to remember that when you have been in a restriction phase for so long even if you've had the odd binge in between like you said you might do six days a week of eating clean and then a day cheat or whatever it might be your body's still in restriction mode so you, you you have to let your body catch up and be like okay now that we've got it out of our system let's see what a well-balanced diet looks like for us let's try to do this thing properly like let's we're good to go now kind of thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that the brain also takes time as well like you you can start going through the motions but Mm -hmm. um and I had this conversation last week with somebody like from that whole evolutionary standpoint like a dieting brain is a starving brain and the brain Mm -hmm. wants to survive so even if you're starting to go through the motions of having a more balanced diet that's less restrictive um, the brain is going to take a little bit of time to believe that you're not going to diet again, that the food will always yeah. be there. A hundred, I'm so glad you brought that up, actually, because I have clients where they feel like they're kind of over the maybe overeating, binging stage, whatever you want to call it. And they're like, but I'm still having, I still have that urgency around some foods. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's okay. That's that's normal. It's because your body's, you, like, if you think about it, depending on the person, you could have been entertaining these behaviors for literally like 10 years, like Mm -hmm. a long time. Like it's not just going to take a week or so for you to kind of heal from this. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I always use that example of like coming back from a vacation because that's when I always truly like identify that I'm an intuitive eater because I remember went to Italy a year, two years ago now. I like forget time with this pandemic. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I literally just remember, I don't think I ate a single vegetable that wasn't on a pizza or mm-hmm. a single vegetable that wasn't like mixed in with a gnocchi dish. And we just, I like literally lived on wine, pizza, pasta, gnocchi, croissants, and um, gelato. Gelato mm-hmm. and espresso. A lot of gelato. <laughs> and I, I, it was amazing. And I like look back on that trip and be like, I've never eaten and never felt so satisfied in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I remember coming home and I think I saw you the next day, Sophie, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, someone just like, give me a kale. IV you were like there. crazy. And it made, <laughs> it made no sense. It made no sense. But like my body was just craving vegetables because I literally had not had one in so long. And it's like moments like those where it just snaps. And it's like, even though I'm an intuitive eater every day, it's like sometimes you need to be reminded and brought back to that, that just that moment being like your body will sort itself out Mm -hmm. like you were eating and enjoying and oh my god it was amazing and then when your body needs a bit more nutrition it'll knock on the door and remind you hey get some nutrients in like Mm -hmm. it's time maybe and I think when we allow ourselves to trust like trust our body will tell us what to do when it needs to be done Mm-hmm. I think it's also really important to highlight as well that the whole intuitive eating thing, it's not just something you grasp and then, okay, cool, you're good to go kind of thing. Like, it's such a journey. Like, some days, like Barry just said, I don't eat intuitively. I eat what's available and, you know, what works with my schedule. And then the next day, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of feel like I need a day like this today. It's, it's an ongoing journey that probably is never going to end. And that's yeah. the kind of beauty of it. But some people were so, like, they need that routine. They need that security. They need that kind of certainty. Um, so I think that's another kind of issue that people have when trying to identify as an intuitive eater. Yeah, I think also like identifying as an intuitive eater, that's where the phrase itself, the the misunderstanding about it can be a block and kind of get tricky because mm-hmm. intuitive eating is just eating. eating. Yes. Oh, yeah. we said this. Yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's like it's the reason it's been branded now is yeah. like a tra- it's like a trademark branded thing is because we've needed something to help untangle people from the dieting mindset and the mm-hmm. the two extremes and everything that comes along with it so like now we have something to help us get back to the way we were born and right. it's actually really just as simple as like like I sometimes think about what it would be like living in this matrix of of what if nothing had ever interfered with the intuitive eater within yeah. us as like the two authors, right? Like the intuitive, like rediscovering the intuitive eater within you. Like what if we had lived in a world where mm-hmm. there was nothing that interfered with it? And like, I wonder if there are communities, there have to be like on our planet <laughs> where, <laughs> where the intuitive eater was not interfered with. I don't know. Um, and it's just, you know, eating. Yeah. And I'd love to, to hear if anyone still thinks that they've been a lifelong intuitive eater. I'd love to pick your brain. Um, But something I wanted to ask you is what do you feel about people confusing intuitive eating with kind of like the hunger fullness diet? Because I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I have to admit, like the hunger fullness diet, I'm not 150% sure what you're talking about, but I think you're just people. right like yeah just yeah I think people take those two principles from the out of the 10 intuitive eating principles 
and it's like it's almost like you're an intuitive eater but you're only allowed to eat when you're hungry and you have to stop when you're full there's yeah. kind of no flexibility within that yes and be like mm, no I'm not hungry right now I won't have that thing that you just offered me or yeah like, I won't yeah. have that nice piece of cake because it's your birthday kind of thing. yeah because I'm not hungry or like <laughs> right some fall put my fork down and like push it away because I'm full and it's yeah. like allowing yourself to eat past fullness I think that I don't know maybe that's not as prevalent in America um maybe there is this kind of like split in the the way that it's interpreted between I don't know that's just something that I've seen a lot here that maybe it's not as prevalent in in the U.S. I saw maybe one or two people post about it. I might have also just like missed it. So I had a feeling about what you were talking about, but like it's not as known to me as intermittent fasting, for example, which is yeah, like all I, over the place, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, no, I think that that like uh, it's called the hunger fullness diet. Is that what it's I don't called? know if it's like a label thing, but it's just right. how I refer to it. Yeah. Is it? Okay. I'm sure it is. So, I mean, I think that something like that really doesn't leave very much room for life, <laughs> for mm-hmm. anything else, like yeah. for um, for running late or being in a social situation where maybe you're not hungry, but it's like appropriate to eat. And yeah. that's okay too, right? Yeah. Like we're not always going to eat when, our, when we're hungry because yeah, sometimes- it's like I've got a meeting in two hours and I'm yeah, not going to yes. be able to eat. Like. Yeah, and that's totally respectful <laughs> of your body because like if you didn't eat because you weren't hungry and then you're in the meeting and then you're starving in the mm-hmm. meeting, then like that sucks. So yeah. like it's, yeah. you know, we're like my, my family and I had a Zoom brunch for my mom last weekend because um, it was her birthday. So yeah. we, we all got on Zoom together and I was like, oh my God, I'm not hungry. Like this, this Zoom brunch was my idea and I'm not hungry. Like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I ended up putting together a little plate of food because like, that's what we were doing. And I yeah, didn't like stuff my, you know what I mean? So like, I think that something like a hunger fullness diet or whatever it might be, might be called just definitely doesn't leave room for any other flexibility or even like, like a little bit of emotional eating, which is perfectly appropriate sometimes. And mm. um, yeah, that's so t- too regimented, I would say. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems. Yeah, I think it's one of the problems with um, people doing a lot of self, and I I say this loosely, and I hope it's not interpreted in the wrong way, but I think I'm notorious for saying things in the wrong way on this podcast (laughs) anyway, so I'll go with it. I think one of the issues is a lot of self-education in terms of intuitive eating for people who should have worked with a qualified health professional because I think if you are in the depths of disordered eating or an eating disorder mm-hmm. and you try to do it alone, you will naturally grasp on to certain elements of intuitive eating because it allows you that control that you mm-hmm. once had. And I think a lot of people who are in that space are grasping on to this idea, which is a part of intuitive eating, listening to your hunger and, listen- and mm-hmm. honoring your hunger and honoring your fullness. And I think it's just one of the things that people can grasp onto and like keep a bit of their disordered eating patterns while honoring that one principle. And I think it when you you're so biased in your own thoughts and sometimes you need to work with someone to be able to tell you the objective reasoning or, you know, bring a bit of perspective in. But I think I think a lot of self self educated intuitive eaters grasp onto that message. I think that's what I've seen. I don't know if you guys agree if that was rude. Was, I'm sorry. It's funny. <laughs> I actually think I I have to say I have not seen that, but I'm surprised that I haven't seen it. And I think that you make a really, really good point um in that because if you're going through the 10 principles, I think it's I can imagine how easy it would be to latch on to some that 
give you the safety yeah. and comfort that dieting or whatever, like another plan might give you, right? Because like so much of the time when someone's feeling anxious or stressed or whatever it may be, people turn to behaviors. And many times those are dieting behaviors to help navigate and stress with, the, I mean, um, navigate and deal with those stressful emotions. So to latch on to something that provides comfort um, and control is natural. Um, so I can see why if you're not doing it with somebody like a, like a professional, then that could happen. I think what I've seen and heard, whether it's from like a friend or a client, um, is that they try intuitive eating, end up eating everything, feel gross, feel themselves gaining weight, think intuitive eating doesn't work for them. Yeah. And then they stop. Yeah. So, and this is, you know, how we were talking before about like, kind of evolving as practitioners, something that I realized along the way that as much as I don't do meal plans, I don't like meal plans. I'm not a huge fan of meal plans. Providing structure Mm -hmm. to somebody who really needs it in the beginning of the intuitive eating journey is incredibly helpful. Um, And, you know, giving like meal guidelines, timing, especially for, you know, like some of my eating disorder patients at the hospital who struggle with actually not just binging, just a whole range of it to give like a you know, kind of flexible meal plan to help provide structure. Well, some people just need like, you know, okay, let's try having breakfast, lunch and dinner. Let's just set some times where you Mm -hmm. know that you're going to be eating consistently and let's just like go again kind of thing, you know, because their Mm -hmm. food world is so chaotic that they're like, where do I even begin? And that might change over time. And they might think, actually, I'm not hungry at seven in the morning. Maybe I'll eat at eight or whatever. But, you know, like you said, it's going to look the journey will look different for everyone. And some people do initially need some guidance before they feel more trusting and more confident in the process. I, well, I think completely that's also my, Sorry. Like, I think that's like why my therapist sent me to a dietitian as well, because I was doing it with her, but she's not a dietitian. So, like, mm-hmm. as I was trying to, like, do food freedom, like it was it felt out of control for me. It felt like too much. And that's why yeah. I went to a dietitian who gave me the structure that I needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because I think when you're coming from, you know, very strict rules, whether it be like a cycle of other diets, or just like your own restricted tendencies, if a dietitian or a nutritionist were to say to you like, okay, like, what time do you normally like to eat breakfast? And what do you like to have? Without those rules, they're gonna be like, I don't know, what do I eat? Tell me what right. to eat because mm-hmm. they've right. never had to make that decision for themselves because there's always been some guiding force to tell them what they can or can't have. Yeah, exactly. I think some people do need that middle ground so they can learn to trust themselves, learn to figure out what they like and don't like. But sometimes just being like, oh, we'll have whatever you want. It doesn't work for and some people. It works brilliantly. They're like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, I could have whatever I want. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have this. But for some people, it really doesn't work. And they're like, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do anything. So it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's meeting it's meeting that person where they are and either giving them all the free reign or, you know, giving them free reign within a bit of structure so they feel comfortable to start making those right. decisions for themselves. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it can be really scary otherwise. 100%. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's been so refreshing because we actually haven't had another intuitive user practitioner on the podcast before. So it's been oh. amazing to actually... Cool speak to someone and hear just your journey and your point of view and hopefully you know the misconception that intuitive eating entails eating whatever you want when you want and you know letting go and being out of control hopefully we've kind of set some more minds at ease yeah I hope definitely it would be great if um to conclude the podcast you can just give our listeners kind of like your number one top 
tip or, Mm -hmm. you know, words of wisdom in becoming an intuitive eater? Or what's the one thing that you always recommend people do or don't do? Such a good question. I'm like, oh my God, like my one, because. Oh, just say anything. Like, that's all like two. It has to be three. Too much structure, Barry. I need a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, you have to be one thing. <laughs> if you had to pick like three to five things, <laughs> what would you say? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that, and this is also another little preview from the guide. So like this is actually the guide lays out my top eight. If in fact I picked eight things to to really help. Um, And I mean, one is really to like remove those labels, like Mm -hmm. the, like remove good, remove bad, because once, if if you don't remove labels, you're immediately going to feel um, like feel guilt after eating something right away. Um, And then I think, I would have to say, I know like my biggest thing was allowing myself to eat the foods that I was not allowed to eat. So, so like much power in giving yourself so, permission. Yes. Give, yeah. You know, giving yourself that permission, um, practicing allowance of the foods that have scared you. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if structure is helpful, like for me, it was like a prescription. Like I, I, I was encouraged or instructed instructed to have dessert once a day I probably had it twice a day maybe after lunch after dinner I don't remember um but yeah like to to really kind of allow in a structured way if necessary the foods that scare you was what changed everything for me mm-hmm. um and if that and in, ter- in, in terms of an advice perspective if that does feel too scary to all the people hearing this um you know do it with the support of a professional because like that I mean, is it can make a huge difference to um, make you feel a bit more in control. I completely agree. I love that. And um, I guess for everyone, where can they find your your new guide, or where can they follow you? Yeah, thank you. Um, So the Hungry Clementine is my handle, um, and which actually came from from the food logs I used to keep with my dietitian, which is oh, I love it. I was going to ask you actually like, such a it. fab name yeah thank you yeah I used to keep and I know we're like running out of time but like I, I um used to keep food logs with hunger fullness feelings all that stuff and like for snacks I would write you know hungry um apple and peanut butter hungry clementine oh string cheese that. so like that creative I, I, thank you I wanted the hungry banana and it was taken Oh yeah. no! <laughs> but Clementine has a better ring to well, it. I think yeah, it's like that's so. It's great. Like I love the hungry. It's lemon. sunshine. So, so yeah, yeah. It <laughs> like radiates so positivity because Clementines are like they're bright and they're yeah. you know. Yeah. I yeah. like it. So, Thank you. So the Hungry Clementine, I'm, uh, the link in my profile has everything. Well, the guide isn't there yet. It will be on Sunday. Um, that's where my apparel company is there too. Like everything is Amazing. is there. The Hungry Clementine. So. Yeah, amazing. Oh, it's I encourage been so incredible. Everyone. Yeah, oh, sorry. So yeah, incredible. go download the go download the guide. <laughs> yeah, I, I encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, and oh. just yeah, watch your reels for some anti diet education. And yeah. thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. It was a blast. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe.
and share with your friends if you love this episode it really does help us get seen in the chart you can now also order our forking wellness book anywhere books are sold order it on amazon prime for next day delivery and barnes and noble in america and if you love the book we would so appreciate a review on amazon we absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it we'll speak to you guys next week bye